The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul. He's Ronnie. I've been walking, greeting and moaning this weekend. He's been at a barbecue. And lo and behold, he's whinging about a burnt forehead. Prick. Thanks to our guest Charlie Miller last week and his stories of both on and off the field at United. Join the conversation on our socials. We are at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, Tiny Titana, Friendlies Continue, the new kit's out, On This Day with the Arab Archive, and Brian Welsh is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 56 of the Dode Fox Podcast. Hi, I'm Johnny Russell, and you're listening to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the Dode Fox Podcast. That is episode number 56, a couple of weeks away from the start of what we hope is our Premiership season. And as Paul's been on about for the last couple of weeks, his wee idea to go for a wee walk. It all happened on Saturday. Uh, delighted to say, as you've heard, Paul is at his bed. He's out of A&E. He's out of the first aid tent. He's out of everything. And Andy Crichton's here as well. Andy, how are you first and foremost today? Um, fine, thank you. Yes, uh, feel a, a wee bit stiff, but otherwise, okay. And Paul, how are you? <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm in worse shape than Andy. He's obviously the athlete of the two of us. Uh, but I, d- I did make it down the stairs. I may have taken 15 minutes to negotiate the 16 stairs, but I made it. Brilliant. So, uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. The two of you come out with this idea. You thought I could raise a £1,000. Uh, we laughed at you when it hit a thousand within about an hour. Uh, have you got a running total just now as we record this, Paul? Have you got a, a, an amount for us, just, given it's one o'clock on a Sunday? Just over 44 in, on the GoFundMe. Uh, I'm not sure how, how much has been put into the shop because there was a, a bucket in the shop with Andy and my face. I'm not sure if that was to, to entice people to give up money or to flag burns, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how much got handed into the shop, but it's it's an incredible amount of money, yeah. 44 grand. Uh, Andy, we spoke to Paul, obviously, about it last week. Uh, there wasn't much really training going into it. You had your, wee, your meeting last week to sort all out. Take us to Friday and how, how it began, how you set off and what time and what have you. Um, from about eight o'clock at night, we were absolutely chomping at the bit to go. But once we got there, like Paul had the he had his spanner out ready to have that fight the ultra, but nobody turned up. Absolute shite bags. So we had Tynecastle oversell, and yeah, we were full of enthusiasm until about thirty miles in, and then it dawned on what we were doing. Uh, so yeah. Reality kicked in. Yeah. What was the what was the journey like from? Can you take us out of Tyne Castle towards the bridge? Was that quite just a wee dander, a, a bit of a chat? Were you just sort of enjoying it? No, no worried. Well, Ange, Twitter user Ange Angela, she helped us immensely by getting with through Edinburgh. Um, and then when we got to the bridge, there was actually fans there waiting for her at the end at three in the morning. Which you're like, what? Just, and it was great. It was just a massive tonic for me. But yeah, Edinburgh was great. It was long, longer than what I thought. But it was was good. Yeah, and then uh, what happens from the bridge then, Paul? Because last week you had your route, but then the five side of this route had to change, didn't it? 
Yeah, well, also also getting us to the bridge. Uh, my uncle Billy came along for the ride, and uh, TikTok star Billy. Yes, TikTok star Uncle Billy and Rebecca, my my cousin Billy's daughter, came along as well. So they kept us company and kept our spirits up. And the Fife route, yeah, it was it was changed a couple of times, and uh, we'll get we'll get to that in a, in a wee bit as well. Uh, we probably changed it for the worse at some point. But we had a we had a route, and we had to get in touch with the cops just to say, "Is this okay?" They got back to us and said, "Are you mental? You can't walk along their roads." <laughs> So uh, we had to learn a wee bit more about Fife than what we had previously known. Mm-hmm. The amount of paths and walkways through Fife is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I think we were on most of them yesterday. <laughs> and uh, what bridges did you walk over, by the way? Did you go to the Queen's Fair? Did you go the, the old one. The old one. Old one, yeah. 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 And at that time in the morning, it must be quite a cool sight. Quite a cool thing to do. Yeah, it's, it was It was nice looking at the Queen's Ferry crossing, but the the rail bridge wasn't lit up, so... It was now the best, but that was obviously a marker in our minds. We were thinking, right, we want to get to the bridge at stage one done, and then obviously you you see Fife when you're on it, and that's a wee psychological boost that you've you've got about twelve miles done already. Yeah, so I'm just going to ask that. So it's about twelve miles from Tynecastle to yeah to the bridge to, to the other just to the other side of the bridge. Okay, yeah. and then yeah. take, take us so from what, there. What's the next stage? Uh, what was the <laughs> that was um. Inverkeithing to say, well, through Crossgates, Cowdenbeath. Oof, hope you're right. Uh, Loch Gelly. Well, Loch Gelly, Carden Den, beautiful, beautiful places. Yeah. Um, the wheelie bins had their wheels removed, which was worrying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, thought we walked a bit quicker through there. but uh, It was a bit rough looking. Yeah. And we tried to get a waffle from, what was it, the Wacky Waffle? The Wacky Waffle, yeah. It's just a great name for an, an establishment. Um, it was shut, so, but yeah, that was that was decent. Mm, I take it, we, I mean, we mentioned this, Paul, thing last week, about the sunlight thing. It's no dark mm-hmm. for an awfully long time, as you guys probably noticed. No, we, it was dark in Edinburgh. Like, we left just, just before midnight and we had the head torches on, me and Andy Crichton, and that's another bloody story in itself. The, the, <laughs> amount, of, the amount of moths that you attract when you're walking about with your head torch on. Christ, ducking and diving like I've, I was sparring at boxing. Uh, so we had to use them for about two hours, I would say. But the high-vis jackets and the head torches, they were away by... Half three mm. in the morning. Yeah, it was still warm. Oh, it was roasting as well. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't stay that dark for that long. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did where was the first place you encountered that it was a change to the the route or a a wee setback or a wee add an extra mile or so to your journey? <laughs> well, um, the we were on the road to Glenrothes. I think we hit a bit of a wall, and. <laughs> There was a sign saying Glen Office six and three quarter miles. Yeah. And then I think we walked four miles and it Easy. <laughs> come to the next sign that said six miles to Glen uh, And Delirium took over. We started just uh, laughing for no reason. Or uh, we would have well, regret. Yeah, well we're claiming road signs and everything, like we were we were all set to cope them. <laughs> it was just I don't know what it was. And we it's not like we deviated off of the road. We were on the road no, no. following the direction and the Fife Council were ripping the piss out with at that point. <laughs> they're, just, they're just hopeless at mile markers over there, quite clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was that the first sort of wall that you hit? 
Yeah, you were feeling it. Paul was feeling a wee bit, but uh. we got through it because it was long stretches of the road without nothing to see. Mm. Yeah. Um, but once we got near Glenrothes, it, it was fine. Mm. Yeah, and uh, when, when we actually went, when we went into Glenrothes, uh, there was a Porsche that drove past us, and he oh, tooted, yeah. and uh, just out the corner of my eye, I was like, I think he had a United, an old United top one, and then he come back on himself, and he, he parked just in front of her, and he jumps out his Porsche, and uh, it was a guy called Scott McKinley, Scott McKinley, yeah, and uh, he donated over a hundred pound to the Me. cause, so I'm, I'm so I'm walking about five with a hundred pound in my pocket, Oof. no feeling the safest. And uh, he, he gave us some yum yums, uh, sausage rolls. Uh, so that that was class. That was that was one of the first. I think we saw a guy with two dogs. He was out walking his dogs. Was that before we saw Scott? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and he just came from no place. I mean, that yeah. was in the middle of no place and middle of no place, middle of the night. Uh, yeah, and he just found us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, you mentioned the yum yums and stuff there, but so there was a clip. Obviously the. Uh, show Mark Lewis after the uh, Twitter side of things on Saturday took you through the journey and there's a clip of you coming in I think with your yum yums but you look like you've got a struggle on at that time Paul is that blisters is it the feet is it the muscles yeah. what are you going through no, that at that was, point that that was uh, I was feeling I felt like my feet were on fire my heels were on fire from about Christ probably about 10 miles in but I didn't want to stop I didn't want to check them I was just telling myself no no it'll be fine and then when we got to Glenrothes that was to get a wee bit of refreshment change my socks and that and when I took the socks off there was these two massive blisters on each heel and (laughs) (laughs) that's when you start thoughts go through your mind like I can't walk 30 more miles (laughs) that's because it's too sore Uh, but I stuck some compede on it and uh, Sue and Show they, they kept were right Plus, yep. when we were getting to Glenrothes, we knew that we were meeting up with Kier, uh, Sue's young lad. And uh, we were really looking forward to that because we just needed something different, a different dynamic on the walk just to keep it going, a different voice. And I served his purpose mm-hmm. more than well. So was that, that the first main stop you had for a bit of a refuel and sort of fix your feet yeah. up and stuff? And is that about yeah. halfway? Almost, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> well, it should have been if I hadn't... Uh, went off course and took wrong turns and whatever eh? <laughs> so you, you fix yourself up you get a, a yum yum in you a sausage roll where, where are you heading to next take us through the next part of the journey Fruki yeah headed to Fruki and from and there the yeah oh, I good. Think we tell then, us about them yeah well, I think we're, we're trying to, to be too from, smart I know but we're trying to go from Fruki to Falkland and yeah. we could see Falkland, Falkland in the distance, but we decided to go country file style and go down this path. Yep. And then all the problems. It was like we went into someone's home. like Somebody's estate. estate. Uh, not, not their actual house, but we were on their estate. No. And then we got chased for a dog. <laughs> and then the boy came out in his car, but fair play to him. He was very nice. He was quite helpful. He, he sent her back on, on the right road to Chifferton. Uh, oh, and, uh, very well done. Yeah. Yes. That was a Jeff place I'd never heard of. I got the message no, well, we, through the word. We, we like, didn't Where? pronounce it properly. We didn't pronounce it properly until no. we met him. We were like, "How do you get to Gifferton, mate?" He's like, <laughs> "Oh, Jefferton." Yes. So we ended up we ended up going through there, but we really should have just stuck to the original path, which yes. is Falkland, Ochter, Ochter Mukti. Yes. And then Newburgh. Okay, it might have. Well, I wouldn't have added anything on in, in the end, but probably at the time it looked like it was going to add a couple of miles on. 
but we we would have knew where we were going. We were just we were obviously tired. We try to make uh, a decision for a shortcut, and it just backfired spectacularly. We were just oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nightmare for a couple of hours. It really was. I can't <laughs> yeah. lie. I felt we all, I think we all felt like green. When you go on these yeah. big walks, you know you know that you know when people are getting tired because. Like you'll, there's two, there's two things that happen. They're either nay speaking, or you're laughing at Ahan. Ahan's funny. Things that aren't even funny, you start thinking about what you've, what you've, you've went past in the the miles gone by, and you just start laughing again. And it's just, but th- there was a stretch probably for about two hours where we, <laughs> no, I don't know how they get away with calling it the Fife Coastal Path because <laughs> there was absolutely no hint of a coast when we were on this. We were, I don't care where we were. I really didn't care where we were, but we weren't near the coast. So how they get away with naming it that, I didn't care. And that there was, was uh, a, sorry, there was a period where we were like ten meters apart. You were at the yeah. back, I was at the front. Kieran in the middle, no speaking. And then, and then I was at the two back. Words green. Came out, two, two words came out of Paul's mouth. I'm stinking, and it just set everybody off. Ah, ah. <laughs> And, it, and it, it wasn't because I was farting. I just <laughs> smelt because I'd been up and walking all night. I was absolutely reeking. <laughs> yeah. And I had a pain under my ribs. And every time he opened his mouth, he was killing me. Oh, oh I was telling him just to shut up. Oh. Uh, what was your... That, that was tough. Was Wormit your next stop, your, your next major sort of meeting of people or whatever? Yeah, we had to walk through Goldry and then we got to Wormit. Mm-hmm. That road was huge. From Goldry to Wormit seems to take forever. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> but that's probably because we had 50 miles in our legs. Like, it could have just been a wee street, but Christ almighty. But at that point as well, there was another couple of guys showed up. Uh, Neil Loudon came along. He was on his bike, so he was he had refreshments and everything. But I, I apologise to Neil. I wasn't up for much conversation no. because I was just no. dying by that time. And then you go from Goldry into Wormit, and it was a Mark Dorbert showed up. Yes, uh, and he he walked with us all the way right to the end, and he was great company as well. But again, I'm sorry, Mark, yeah, you didn't get me on my best day because <laughs> I was just didn't have any energy. I, my face was dripping as I was so so tired. Mm. And then, as you say, Ron, uh, we got was it somebody's house? I think it was somebody's house that we, we yeah. I went in for a pee. I was bursting, uh, and we went in there and we got a, a wee reception there, a wee clap, and uh, that's when we saw our mate Andrew Ross. He was there, and that was uh, for some reason. I was near greeting when I seen him. I didn't think he was going to be there, but uh, I was just uh, the emotions are all over the place. Like, and, and I know that yeah. you, you hear people saying that when they do these extreme daft things, like walk that sort of distance. But I, oh, you really are. You're an emotional wreck for for a wee bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was good. And that um, when you're in Warmer, I saw Andy. You posted a picture on your Twitter as well. I think it was when you were in Warmer over the bridge. Was that a real? Yeah. You knew you were so close, oh. but yet you were from Warmer. It's still about, isn't it? Still like two hours worth of walking or something. Yeah, yeah. But just seeing that bridge was mad. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, come on, we could do it. Mm-hmm. But I was yeah. feeling for the big man. I was really feeling for him because how he got from Glenrothes to there, I will never know. I, uh, me, I told me him to stop. He's probably walk, like, he's probably walking me. walking away for his in smell. I was, I was trying <laughs> yeah. to run it, but I couldn't. It's like yeah. Pepe Le Pew for thirty mile. And then you that's got... why I was walking so fast because I, I was like, I <laughs> uh, we, we we never walked side by side for about twenty nine <laughs> no. miles. Actually, that's all making no. sense now. 
yeah <laughs> and then uh if again if you you can go back on our on our twitter or instagram however we've shared as much as we can a lot of photos videos comments but there's a really nice video just coming in to the other side of the the five side of the bridge that car park and there's plenty of oh. people there for you yeah oh, yeah yeah the I, was near, I was near greeting again yeah genuine i had tears in my eyes i kind of yeah. i kind of deny it the first time was when i saw andrew and then the second time was when I saw the fans. And we weren't even going to go that way. Because I think Andy, uh, Andy Crichton, that mm-hmm. is the big man, he was wanting to dodge the stairs that take you up to the, the, the entrance. Leg. No, and there was he called me a bad name. I'm, I'm not sure I would <laughs> want to say it on this. But he was like, we're going up the stairs. I was like, I'm definitely going up the stairs. And then there was an expletive about what I was or what, what, what he thought yeah. I was. And then we actually should have just went the way that Andy wanted to go because we had to go up by the stairs and then through to the car park anyway. So we added even more steps into the legs. But when we saw that, we saw the Wraith mascot and everything and everybody clapping. And uh, at that stage, I got uh, I was feeling like death. I, I, I really was. And Martin uh, came out of me with uh, a Lucas Aid Sport. And I didn't even want it because I felt sick. I just, I just felt terrible. And they were like, look, bloody drink it, you, you need it. And sure enough, I did drink it and it managed to get me over the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Was, is that, I mean, you guys have probably walked the bridge a million times, but was that the slowest pace you'd ever walked it, given you were near the end? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I just said to Kier, because Paul was behind with his family, I just says, I need to stay at this pace or I'm going to seize. Mm. I just need to keep going at this pace. Yeah. Um, but as far as just going back to the bridge, when we walked through the car park, I saw this giant lion and I was like, Takiya, am I hallucinating? Have I just totally lost it? <laughs> yeah. I, I ran out of him and gave him a fist bump. I, I ain't getting where that energy come from. But I just thought I'd better. Yeah. Uh, so as you're walking over the bridge, do you guys, I mean, Andy, you just told us there what you were thinking, but Paul, what were you thinking at that point when you're going across the bridge? Was it get me him I'm nearly there or are you feeling different because some family are there or yeah, probably yeah I, I think I think although everything hurt it just kind of kept you going because my sister uh, our, our wife and uh, our daughter they, they all showed up and then I met Leo halfway across the bridge as well with my dad and his partner so that that kind of kept me going and, and people have said and I know you'll probably get there but people have said what did it feel like when you actually saw Tanadice but I just kind of, I kind of felt like I was finished when I got over the bridge. Mm. The rest of it was just like a procession. It was yeah. like a victory lap, I suppose. We had yeah. made it back to Dundee. So when you come off the bridge, talk mm. to us about what <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I was quite far behind Andy and Kier, and they guys were uh, stretching out and doing lunges and whatever else. And I was hobbling down the stairs because I was in bits. And then I think it was Shona, actually. She, she ran over and said, there's some players here for you. And I was thinking, oh, that's, that's fair do's like. And then they were like, the, obviously, the joke, oh, Ian Harks is there, lover boy. I was like, oh, for goodness sake, this is not going to be awkward at all. And I just thought that they were going to meet us and I'd, like maybe clap us or something and then we would just go on our way. But uh, every one of them uh, wanted to, to walk up the road with us. So it was Ian Harks, Mark Connolly, Mark Reynolds, Adrian Sporla, uh, Ross Stark was there did he walk up the road or did he take the car he definitely took the car because he was at Tandice when right. I got there <laughs> right okay uh, was there any more players I can't mind I just hung about with Reynolds the ginger James Bond and I was trying to tell him that we'd try, we'd try up his profile by giving him that nickname but 
He said the people weren't ready for it. <laughs> uh, so what was it? Right. What was your route from sort of where you met? You meet them at the apex. Was that kind of the area you were in? What was your yes, route from yeah, there yeah. to Tanadice then? Uh, up Princess Street. Yeah. Obviously, just go up a hill. Yeah, I know. And then Brown Constable Street, which was bigger. Um, and then we split off. They went up Ferraris with the fans, and we went with the players uh, round by Dens Road Market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was it like that? That what you said it was like a procession, but were they mm-hmm. just chatting away with the words and encouragement? Yeah, Connolly was can, 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 so you were such a nice guy, yeah. Mark Connolly. Yeah. 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 And was no, it? it was great. I was, I was. Well, you were hanging about with Connolly. I was hanging about with Reynolds. Harks was on the other side of the street for me. <laughs> uh, but nah, it was, we were just talking about the game yesterday because like we, we didn't know the score. So yeah. I was saying, tell us about it. Bloody score, because we'll we'll be speaking about it. So this will get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, well, he he just said it was nothing's up. It was a, a tough physical game. They played well, and Connolly had the had uh, stitches in his head because he had a bite mark mm. and I and I thought I, I said bite he said ah it was Lyndon Dyke's teeth I was like Christ almighty mm. did he get a red card for that no 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 he didn't <laughs> so you're so this season the new rules you're allowed to bite people cool <laughs> okay that's that's an interesting one uh, and we, you, again it's, it's one of these things that it probably made things a wee bit easier we even more relaxed because they were walking with you and just sort of yeah. chilled out as they were yeah Made it, yeah. made it so much easier. And you did yeah. turn in Arkley Street. <laughs> wow, uh, wow! Take us through it. Well, the piper came down to me and says, "When do you want to start?" I says, "Just whenever you want. Just go for it." And yeah, from there on, it's just like hold it together. And when you turn the corner and see the flags, I'm like, "Oh, geez, oh, this is just crazy." And saw my kids thinking, "Oh, geez, just just hold it in." And then gets to the gates. Now in a COVID era, I kissed the gates. I mean, I've been I've been pulled off by people. What are you doing? I'm like, I know, I know, but it just it was just like, thank God I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it was the uh, pure emotion. What about what was it like for you walking up the Tanadice Street, Paul? It was great because uh, I had my, my boy with us, and I wanted him in front of me, and then I think Andy maybe even put him in front of yeah. him. So all the footage. Like we'll be able to look back on this in a number of years and it means a lot to me that Leo is going to be part of that. Go watch uh, that prick stealing out of the glory after 60 uh, miles. Basically, <laughs> and he'll always be that wee prick. But, <laughs> but but yeah, walking up there with a the piper was great and then actually turning into to Tanaday Street itself and seeing everybody with the flags. You know, I, I can't even say that it was emotional for me because I was so tired. I don't think mm. I could have cried if I, even if my body was wanting to cry, but just it was, it just felt so undeserving, you know. It's like we've just we're just done a walk. Okay, it was an extreme walk, but we we're no heroes, we're no legends, we're just no. like United fans. We're just mates yeah. that went for a walk and try to do a wee bit for the for the club. So to see that many people coming out. Uh, and like all my family as well. My granda was was waiting at the corner. I've not seen my granda for for months, you know, just to see him and get a hug for him at the corner of the street. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's it's hard to put it into words. It really is, but uh, mm-hmm. it's so much so appreciated. And so you got appreciated. and you got to lift the championship trophy. Uh, and then that was another yeah. surprise. Had no idea yeah. that uh, we had no idea. Well, I don't know about Andy. I certainly had I, no idea I, anything was was happening. I, we'd heard we'd heard talk of the piper. I'd heard talk of that, mm. and that was cool. But everything else, like players showing up, championship trophy, uh, a frame top we 
62 on it. I'm glad that they, they figured out me and Andy's age. <laughs> uh, it was just brilliant. It was it was phenomenal. It's it was beyond anything. We did not expect anything, and to get nope. to get even a fraction of that would have been amazing. To get all of that is beyond your wildest yeah. dreams. Yeah, and that's I mean you know getting to see the I mean certainly our good pal Mock Chops had a bit of fun with some of the photos, but just to see some of the photos and from fans, you know, not even just club or the courier or what just to see some of the fan footage has been mm. has been brilliant you know what I mean and you know you guys have said you know heroes I think you know everyone disagrees and given that there's a lot of us sitting there I mean I've got a sunburnt forehead at the minute I'm struggling I don't know how you're <laughs> feeling so we right? sympathise uh, we sympathise you know, Ron but I mean that's a massive yeah, effort you know what I mean for two boys to play it down as, as much as you do I think it's the the least you deserve was kind of that welcome back, you know, for it to see the flags and everything. It would have been, it was cool oh. to be part of it as well. Yeah. Once you get through, and it's, big, sort of, it's on you go, Andy. Sorry, the big thing for me is how it's brought all the fans. Seems to have brought them together, mm. and the messages from all around the world's been just crazy. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I, I just have to echo what Paul says. We were going out for a walk. We said we'd probably do that anyway. We would have tried it, but. The way that it's gelled everything has just been superb. Mm-hmm. Once we get all the you know the photos out of the way, you get your check presentation and whatever. Take us through how your nights both went in the aftermath of finishing the walk. Andy, did you um, see the kids? Did you see the family? And then did you just take off? Uh, I stayed. I stayed to clap the race, guys, and then went up the road. Saw my kids. I was really grumpy towards them because it was just like, didn't touch us, really. Um, and then just went home and sparked out till three in the morning. Just, uh, you missed yeah. a wee bit of that story there. Yeah, there's a well, missing part yeah. of that story, you tell me. Well, yes, I just stripped off and sparked out <laughs> on top of the bed. <laughs> I was starfished because my arse was killing <laughs> that's the unedited version yeah. uh, and I mean did you go home did you have like did you have some food or whatever or, or you, I mean, you just I done had a it? bit of cheesecake Jen's, Jen's cheesecake strawberry gin flavour unbelievable so mm. I had two slides at three in the morning outstanding mm. and then how, how, how are you today I mean let's be honest Andy you've, you're better because you've been out for a walk today already just to stretch yeah, I went around Swanee Ponds went down the Kingsway and come back just to loosen up but I think it was a mistake because now I'm, I'm <laughs> suffering a bit now and Paul how did uh, your night go because you were you were struggling at the end there I was in I was in terrible shape like uh, I didn't want to belabor the point but I honestly for about 25 20 miles I most steps I was thinking this is my last step here I can't I can't keep doing this because everything's so sore so I was okay I think it was like a maybe a wee adrenaline boost when I got to Tanadice and saw everything and then when it died down and we were speaking to the courier reporter I think I maybe answered one one question yeah. and then I just thought I'm going to collapse I'm feeling sick and we were doing it in the wee bit between the two main doors at Tanadice the reception area and the players were just in the reception and they kept pussing about, and I was just thinking, if somebody opens that door, I'm going to ask them if I can go to the toilet because I'm feeling sick here. But I didn't want to cut off the interviewer either. So, uh, like when you see the interview, you see me with a, a smile on my face. I'm holding a beer, and then I give the beer to Leo because I think I'm going to drop it. And then I've got a bag on. I take my bag off because it's too heavy. And then I kind of get I'm slouching, and I'm getting lower and lower. And then I'm not even sure who opened the door. I was like, "Excuse me, mate, can I go to the toilet?" So I had to go to the toilet. 
Uh, I threw up in the toilet. I had a towel with us, soaked it in cold water, put it in my neck. And uh, Joe from Arab Zone, he was wanting to do an interview. And I was more than willing to do it. But when I come out of that toilet, I just needed to go home. I was not well. So I I have to apologize to Andy. I left him holding the baby. But I just went (laughs) home, jumped in the shower, and then went straight to bed. I I slept for about 12 hours. But uh, sunstroke, exhaustion, pain. Oh, kind of uh, feeling. I know the feeling. With your forehead. (laughs) Yeah, right enough. Shite house. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, I never had anything to eat either. I just, I just slept all bloody. You did night. this morning, though, didn't you? <laughs> I, had, I had Jen's cheesecake. Yeah, it was just not a euphemism. Uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a carrot cake, and I've still got a bag of sweeties for Helen, so I'm going to get wired in about them after this. You also thingy though. I mean, you also got a hug for Jen. That doesn't happen. So you know, got, I got a hug. I got a hug. Um, yeah, I got tray bake, tray bake for your better half. Yes. which I've demolished already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. From the like, if people, some people were asking as well, you know, about supplies and whatever. What kind of stuff were you carrying in your bags? Were you just, was it sandwiches, juice, water? What kind of stuff did you? Because obviously, you didn't really have a meal, did you, on Saturday? Really? No, no. Uh, Lemon cup pieces, ice cream, cooling cream. (laughs) (laughs) Just yeah, I think we, I think we actually regretted carrying the bags around about fifteen miles in, saying, "What are we doing?" Uh, Yeah. That's what the cars are for. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's what gubbed my back, carrying the yeah. bags, because for a while before Glen Rothes, I kept saying to Andy, I can't wait just to get this bag off my back. Uh, but in mind, I just had some water, some juice, change a t-shirt. But this, but as foolish as, as it is, I, I also had another bag. I'm not sure if it was Shona or Sue that had it. Uh, but they had like a change of footwear for me, change of socks. They had, there was loads in that bag, so I was clearly carrying way too much. Mm. But... Like we had plasters, Vaseline for our feet. Oh, that gubbins. And we couldn't have we couldn't have done this without them. We couldn't have done this no. without Stuart Shona and Martin. No, not a hope. Yeah, and that no I mean, chance. I think Martin's Martin done well being stuck in a car with the two of them all day. No. Well, there's a, there's a, I mean, I'm sure that we'll we'll come to learn more stories of what actually went on in that car uh, over the weeks ahead. But I know for a fact there was another another lady from Twitter whose handle is Clotty Midden, who helped us quite a lot. Yes, yeah, she helped us quite a lot with certain routes in Fife. But she brought two beers along for me and Andy, and I'm I'm here exclusively to tell you, Martin tanned both them, <laughs> which surprises no one. No. No, it really, yeah. Uh, it really doesn't. Uh, I tell you what, I mean, like you see, I was speaking to Andy just before we started as well, that some of the messages you were saying, Andy, you know, at three o'clock this morning you were replying to people. It's been unbelievable, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, America, uh, New Zealand, Australia, incredible. All, yeah, just so many good wishes. Just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, And it was emotional reading them. But I never want to type thank you again on my phone. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's been a a marvelous achievement the two you've done. You know, to go out for a walk and to think you were going to do this for a thousand pound. A thousand pound. We've done it for nothing. We've done it for nothing. Yeah. It just un unbelievable. You're so humble as well about it. But to to raise that kind of money and you know the hope is. We didn't need to use it for legal fees. You know, it could go to, 
you know, charities or whatever. It would be brilliant, you know. But it's the predicament. Well, we were thinking, right? we were thinking, we would have needed it for an airlift from the field that we were lost in <laughs> to get a helicopter. Yeah, but, we, were, we, were, we were trying to divvy up the amount. We were like, it's probably going to be about twenty grand to get an airlift. But the club have still got twenty-four grand, so that's cool. Didn't feel that bad. Yeah. Uh, listen, any words that can I say to, or anyone says to you, I'll not do justice to what he's have done. You know, it's a huge achievement. It's uh, you know, a privilege to know you both and to, to watch it. I mean, I watched it on social media unfold. You know, on Twitter and you know because Shona was there, it was it was it was it was emotional to watch as well. And watching you stumble into Glenrothes, Paul. I, I, I really was I worried for you until you said you had yum yums and I thought well that's fine he's got two yum yums he'll be alright uh, but as I went on then you seen you get to warm up you seen you get to the bridge and then seeing the picture when uh, the players are there as well and it gives you that that boost you know it's been a, an amazing thing and I know you guys didn't want you want it to be it's quite a low key thing but for the club and everyone to come out Saturday night just shows how much appreciate it is you know and uh, to be part of it was amazing how you guys will feel in a couple of days. I've no idea. I've no idea when you're going to start feeling uh, normal again. But I'm assuming, you know, Andy, we're going to let you go and you can go and enjoy your Sunday. Paul's got a wee bit more to do uh, today. But uh, is it a plan? Is it just a bit of rest for a, for a couple of days? Yeah, I'm back to work tomorrow night. But um, yeah, I get to see the Fox. Thank God I could speak to him about this. But uh, yeah, just just take it easy for the week. But just one last thing before I go, I couldn't have done that walk with two better people. Paul and Kier were fantastic. And the first bit, me and Paul, such a laugh. And then Kier just kept going that wee bit. But superb. And Paul was stinking and you had to give Kier some cream to help his nether regions. That's that's an interesting trio you've you've got on the go there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Saturday and Fife, what can I say? <laughs> that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> listen I tell you what boys it's been a it's been a journey the last couple of weeks it's been great to hear about it but the, the fact it's now done do you have the satisfaction you've done it or are you hurting too much to to really realise you've just walked out and what was the final count Andy on your counter mile wise it was uh, 100 he does it in kilometres yeah, yeah Andy does it in kilometres 119 kilometres or something yeah 64.32 miles because we're a couple of arseholes yeah. and we went the wrong way a couple of times <laughs> so basically you need your signed shirts to be changed <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> uh, but that, that extra two miles is on us so we're a couple of idiots yeah we'll take that uh, and uh, just looking back Andy on when it became an idea two weeks ago to, to now how uh, has it sunk in the, the, the kind of level of achievement or what you have oh, managed amazing, to do amazing. Yeah, amazing. I'm just, yeah, so glad we've done it. We got there. Uh, never again. So if this happens again, Dundee United, get a bank loan. <laughs> there's no way we are doing uh, this again. Yeah. You could even put it in our names. <laughs> We're just not doing <laughs> yeah. this again. Uh, Paul, what about you? Looking back on the past two weeks to, to now? I'm just hoping that it gets back to normal uh, because the amount yeah. of messages and, and stuff that you've offered to deal with and, and sort out and the messages are great don't get me wrong but I'm not the sort of person that likes to get a message and no reply to it so uh, today's going to be busy for me because I've not been on Twitter since Friday but my phone is red hot with notifications for Twitter and I'll, I will do my best to try and get back to people but it's amazing It's the amount of money raised is amazing so thanks to everybody yeah 
uh, Andy, we'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of Thank your you. uh, Sunday, and we'll certainly have you back Cheers, on when the, the season starts. Thank you. Enjoy the rest, mate. <laughs> I will do. Thank you very much. So our next piece of business was going to be uh, about the friendly, but obviously you got me the inside knowledge, Paul, speaking to mm -hmm. your new mates. Uh, another competitive game, though, as we head towards the season. It was 0-0 against Livingston. 21 players got game time. Again, mixed round of kind of youth and experience, it seems, um, of, of kind of both getting games, which is important. Two weeks away from a season start, I think we play Rangers on Wednesday and maybe Kilmarnock next week. I can't mind. But anyway, we're getting towards uh, the start of the season. Obviously, the big thing is this, this court case, this new thing that's apparently started or it's maybe a way to start because no one seems to know about what's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah it seems awfully private and I'm not sure I'm not even sure if that's normal or if it's usually like public knowledge of when it starts and when it finishes and, and whatever I've, I've no idea but I think everybody at the club just wants it over and done with and done and dusted mm. yeah without a doubt uh, one thing that was uh, big news this week that's always going to split opinions is the new home kit for 2020-21 season uh, by Macron. Uh, it has got Macron softlock mesh inserts. It's got high-tech M performance system fabric for increased comfort, breathability and moisture absorption. Take all that away. What do you think about it? I quite liked it. Uh, on, on first view, I wasn't sure about the black socks because I do like tangerine socks. But then I'm 43 years old. I'm never going to buy them. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, but when I've actually saw the strip on the mannequin in the shop window, I think it's very nice. Uh, so definitely be getting that. The, the issue for a lot of people was the collar. I think people weren't sure about the collar of it. And uh, I think it would maybe look better if it had a button on it. But Well, Marcus, is, uh, he was convinced I had a button in one of the photos. Yeah. And I still think he also thinks he would like to have a, a button on it. Yeah, he, he could get his better half to stitch in on it. Yeah, he insists. I'm sure he, I'm sure he could. He he come down yesterday, by the way, but missed you. Right. I saw him. Yep, <laughs> I saw him and Penny. Yeah. Um, one thing I have liked, obviously, Utilities the the main sponsor, but the amount of local businesses mm -hmm. that are involved in the kit. Now, listen, see in this day and age of you need money at the moment, given everything that's mm -hmm. been going on. They can sell every thread on that kit to an advertiser, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. GF Keggs, Norman Jameson, of course, long-term paint taker on the shorts. Uh, but Eden Mill from St Andrews, our, our first ever sleeve sponsor. Yeah. I really don't care. We've still got a sock sponsor as well. We, yes, we do. As well. yeah, yes, yeah. we do. Who I, uh, I can't really see it on this picture, but we do have one. We definitely I do think have it, one. I, like, in, a, in a way, like, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I would... I would ideally like no sponsor on the top, but that is not the real world. You know, that that's just not the way it is. So I've got no issue. I'm similar to you. I've got no issue with it. Plus, I think the way that football teams do it, it looks a lot better than, say, the way an ice hockey team has so many sponsors because that just, you, you kind of, you could be any team, you know, there's just absolutely plastered all over it. I think that, I think that the way football teams do it, it looks a wee bit more presentable, a bit better. You don't lose the identity of the team. Mm. And uh, the phrase that they, they, they've they uh, they've got is humility, work ethic and team, which I'm assuming something you needed yesterday. 
yes, yes. Uh, amongst other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the new kit, it's pre-order now. I'm not sure what the date is, but you can pre-order it on there. It will, of course, have the uh, wonderful Macron sizing uh, for, for people who... Uh, things that are said in chat stay in chats. But I just need to make reference to a comment that was very funny that someone said in a group chat that um, female said, I wish there was a female cut of the top so I don't have to get a 3XL to go over my tits. Now, it could have been me, but I'm in a bigger size. But I just thought that was very, very funny. But again, you've said as well, Paul, you tend to need to go up a size in the Macron stuff. And most people I think have mentioned they need to go up a size because it can be a wee bit snug. I, I am I'm liking it New Tile Commercials are the sock sponsor sorry for shouting go. that but I've just seen that again local which, which is cool you know yeah yeah and, and no, it's a nice strip if you've got a season card you get 10% off so you know that's what <laughs> laughing yeah what's uh, like in, in the rumour mill this week then can we can we touch on the fact that the rumour is we're going to have a purple kit yeah you certainly can what, what's what's the thinking behind that? Is that due to the Ogren's love of Minnesota Vikings or is it just a complete make up a rumour? Well, there was, you know what, there, there was a rumour yesterday and you definitely wouldn't have seen this because apparently you were, you were busy. Um, is that it's it's going to be purple and proceeds will go towards Alzheimer's Scotland? Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what... But again, Twitter was that crazy yesterday with with the updates. I'm pretty sure that's what I read, though. If I've totally made that up, I apologise. Take it as a Dode Fox fact. But, um, yeah, because Minnesota Vikings play in purple, don't they? Um, I think the ice hockey team they might be involved in has got a bit of purple about them. I don't know. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. It could be. Again, purple. A weight, a weight shirt. Mm, Third shirt, cool. Because third shirts are meant to be a bit random in my opinion, or a bit different. But a way shirt, I'm thinking, it's got to be black or white. That's just me. Yeah, I suppose in an ideal world, but I'm, it's an away kit, you know. It's, I think if, if the club bring out a purple top, it'll be 50-50. Some people will absolutely love it because it's different and some people will probably hate it because it's it's not really anything to do with United tra- traditionally or anything like that. But I'll probably still buy it. I'll tell you what, something has just popped up, and I mean right now, is Mock Chopped, who we know and love on this, uh, given what he done to you yesterday and what he done to Andy, is he has just put a, a post up on Twitter saying, do this, Dundee United, do this, do it, get it done, you know you want to, you know we want this, do it. It features a mildly baffled looking Mark Connolly as well. He's basically put the... Uh, 93-94 paint splatter kit with utility on it and made it Macron and it looks amazing bring back the paint <laughs> splatter marble effect top right now uh, so that's just yeah that, that's just come up there which is uh, very amusing so I would certainly say you should check it out it's, it's well worth I, it I will do um, I would love that top to come back uh, yeah, as as would I have to say I think it's it's one of those iconic tops but people we spoke to and you'll get a view from someone else in this episode of what they mm-hmm. think of uh, of that top. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I won for that. I mean, I, I don't mind. You know, I think the home shirt has to stay traditional. You know, the brown sleeves experiment didn't work. But your away top, 
you've maybe got a wee bit of flexibility to do something a bit different. And a third shirt, do what you like. Absolutely, do what you like, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on this day still to come, let's uh, move on. Our special guest this week is a silver-kissing playoff hero who may like a swear word or two, and you have been warned. So our guest this week on the podcast, we are heading across the big pond again, this time to speak to Brian Welsh. How are you, Brian? All good, all good. Uh, you were just telling us there as well, the weather's uh, pretty chaotic for a Scotsman across there. Johnny Russell shared with it. How hot has it been? Ah, it's good. It's in the high 80s, low 90s. I think we've now been like that for about five or six weeks. So, aye, aye, rub it in, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> ah, I bet it does. Listen, we'll get to all that and what life's like out there. Uh, could you take us back then to where you're where you started playing football where you started kicking a ball to uh, how you managed to get spotted from Dundee United ah sure I mean like when I was when I was growing up I don't think you played in a team till you were about 11 or 12 year old you know um, and most of the stuff you'd done like as a kid you were just playing with your mates, you know, or you were working your touch against a wall and you just fell in love with a, with a football, you know. Um, very little structured stuff like like we've got now. You've got new fives, training sixes, you know, nothing, nothing like that. Um, and I think I, I played with a school and then I got spotted. There was an old scout. Um, spotted, me, um, spotted me for Tynecastle Boys Club so I think I joined them round about U11 U12 um, and then just I started as a midfield player big, big tall midfield player um, and then I got moved back to centre back um, round about um, I think probably towards the end of my first year there um, and I, I can always get remember getting moved because I wasn't happy about it, you know. Um, <laughs> I think I was probably fucking greeting and all, you know. Like, <laughs> so I, I think at that time we had a really good team and, and we played in the, the old Scottish Cup final. I remember playing against Paul Beth. Um, we won 3-2 and I scored two for a centre-back. So I realised I could still score for a centre-back, so it wasn't too bad. Stop you know? greeting then. I stopped fucking greeting. And then we obviously played 13s, 14s, um, started attracting interest for clubs um, at the time. I think um, Dundee United, obviously, Celtic, Nottingham Forest, Everton. And, you know, we I remember going down to Everton, staying in digs with Trevor Stephen, who was on trial um, for Burnley, I think, at that time. Um, and then he obviously ended up a top player um, in Nottingham Forest and I ended up signing for United as, as an S fund and, and basically the reason the reason I signed I mean it was fucking unbelievable I mean we used to we used to train on a Tuesday night so they would bring in the best players for Edinburgh um, and we used to train it out at Harriet Watt and I used to get picked up at the, the Barton Roundabout at that time. Yeah, so the minibus would pull up on a Tuesday night and pick up the young boys. And on the bus, you've got fucking wee Jim 
Wattie, Stubby, and fucking Kenny Cameron. <laughs> um, so, and then we'd go away to Rickard, and training was very basic. Um, but I think that that environment, and at the time United were flying in Europe, one of the top teams in Europe, um, and my old man um, had said, he says, look, there's nobody going to show an interest in you, or you like Jim McLean, <laughs> you know? Like, to turn up at S-form training and stuff like that was just getting phenomenal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he thought that was the best place for me to go to learn. Um, and it was the best place. It ended up the best place to go to learn, you know? Um, so I think I was an S-form for about a year. When I signed my S-form contract, I signed up a uh, apprentice contract at the same time and they put it in the fucking drawer. I don't think you were meant to do that. <laughs> but, you know? So that was me and you and my, I think I might have been in third year or fourth year at school that I was going to be an apprentice football. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I stuck in my schoolwork in my last year or something because I knew it was coming and I knew what was going to happen. Um and that was it. And then once you're, once I'm done with school, I remember going, um, getting the we used to get the train up to Dundee, um, staying digs. And then obviously that was me entering my my apprenticeship. You know, mm-hmm. who would you have been in digs with when you first went up? Oh fuck, we had oh Badger. Um, then you had some of the the. Older players, we Joe McLeod, um, Poodle, um, Scott Thompson, um, aye, bad boys like that, you know. Mm. And uh, you come in, uh, what kind of jobs would you have had as a youth? Because obviously back then it was still a, a big thing, you know. Johnny Russell told us he was in charge of like first team equipment and bottles oh, and stuff. So what, what were you doing under wee Jim? Do, do you know, I, I like I was on the ground staff for about five years. Because I used to fuck off to the bookies and do all kinds of shit. And every year I came back, we Jim had me on the fucking ground staff. I was still <laughs> on the pit. I was on the pit, the, the boots. I was I was on everything, you know. Um, I think I think biscuits and 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 people like that. I think they'd done two or three years. I was still carrying the goals on my fucking fifth year, you know. So, <laughs> and uh, you, you obviously we, we we've joked about on this podcast before. It's it's a serious matter. But Andy McLaren brought. We were howling at times. But talk us through an infamous Jim McLean contract. Oh, fucking unbelievable! Yeah. So you sign. I think you're just in the door. He gives you a, a three-year or four-year option and a four-year or three-year option, which at the time, the option seems like it's your option, you know, but it's not fucking your option. <laughs> no, I like it. Right, so it's basically a seven-year contract, and you get a grand for it, and he puts it in, or he asks you if you want to put this grand in a, a pension, you know, so you put, you put the grand in a pension. Then you realise quickly you're, um, when you're doing well or whatever and you, you've maybe been there six months and you're skint so he comes in with a fucking an extra four years for five grand so <laughs> here you go you sign that one and then you're sitting on an 11 year contract you know <laughs> <laughs> what was it like uh, coming through as a, a youth and in the reserves at that time 
Oh, brilliant. Um, ed- education. I mean, don't get me wrong, we were all terrified, the wee man, and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, what are you, like, I joined 85 full time. What he used to take me out af- every afternoon and work in my head and, um, when he was still there. Um, just an education, you know, and, and like, I remember going to play at Lookers, RAF Lookers, and playing centre-back with, I think it was Watty. I was playing centre-back with Watty, you know. <laughs> so he's, he's walking you through the game, and you're learning your, your position and, and stuff like that, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, it was a, it was a hard school. But the education, like the football, watch this is keep saying soccer, by the way, but the, the football education was was unbelievable. I mean, we Jim was a freaking genius, you know, <laughs> just a genius. Everyone was dead simple, um, but, you know, he made it simple, you know. Mm. Do you remember much of your first team debut come at the end of the 1987 season? And he was he was sort of resting people, wasn't he? Because it was getting close to the, the cup final. Uh, I think we were, we were close to a cup final or something. Yeah, it was, it, it was the UEFA and the Scottish Cup finals were coming up. Uh, yeah. I remember it was at Tyne Castle, so that was that was good. It was the last game of the season. I think we drew 1-1. I think Kirky might have scored. And then Robbo, Robbo scored for Hearts. Um, you know, but I mean, you used to prepare the reserve games. We used to, like, when you first, I was playing the reserves near enough as soon as I went in the door, you know, and, and the reserves then, when the first team were playing at, at Canadice against Celtic, the reserves were playing at three o'clock on a Saturday at Parkhead, you know, and you could come up, you know, your tough um, first team players that were, were maybe coming back for injury, um, experienced guys, you were playing with them. You might have been playing. If I can remember playing against Charlie Nicholas, it was coming back for it. So, so these kind of things were preparing you for that that first team debut. So it never became so, so daunting when you actually, you know, you've got the fans there and stuff like that. But um, you know, you're used to playing against good players, so you know it's, it's just part of your development. Hmm. Yeah. What would it have been like as a like as an eighteen-year-old or whatever, playing against like a Charlie Nicholas in the reserves, you know, was it the, the the kind of making of what you would have become playing up against them rather than just I playing know, guys I, the same I age? Mean, which, yeah, once you start playing against older players and playing with them, it, t- it takes your game a, a, another level. You know, um, you learn so much. I learned so much. I used to like play and training that put some of the young boys in with the first team and playing against Luggy and stuff like that, you know, and twisting and turning and you don't know if you're going for a shite or a haircut, you know. It's <laughs> like you, you learn so much both playing and and um, playing, with, uh, playing with and against older players, you know, and I think that's something that's, that's kind of... Um, disappeared for the game. I don't know if they're bringing it back, but you know you've got that U twenty fucking pissy league. You know it's it's that that's not what you need. You know. Mm-hmm. I think we've said as well, Paul. Like, you know, back in the day, we used to go watch the reserves because you got a good mix of players like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've they've kind of gotten away from that, and I understand why they've 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 went away from that model because they want to develop the the youngsters but 
like the the youngsters of anything, we've got worse at developing them since we've we've tried to implement this model. So I, I see no issue with going back to it. And the, the crowds, like you, you'll maybe remember, Brian, the crowds at these reserve games were they were quite yeah. big as well. Like when you go these days, you're lucky if you get a couple of hundred at best. I remember playing Rangers for a league title, a reserve league title. It might be a reserve league cup final. There's thousands there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah, there was uh, big crowds in the days. Uh, but definitely, I mean, the other thing we've been at Dundee United is um, that when these senior players came down to play with the youngsters, there was there was no fannying about, you know, because... Mm-hmm. If they were funny and a bit, it was going back to the gym, you know. So, like sometimes players spit the dummy off, fucking playing in the reserves. There was none of that at, at Tandish, you know. You went down and uh, you played in the reserves. You were you were putting a shift in, you know. Mm-hmm. And would we gym have been at the reserve games then? Oh, I used to do Monday night games. We used to go to fucking Four Farm and Troes and play. He couldn't do the Saturdays. But you'd play on a Monday night and you'd be playing for your dig money, basically. So mm-hmm. if you were shite, you were getting half dig money. If you were good, you were getting full dig money. And at the time, you were on 35 quid a week, you know? So if he's staying, <laughs> we used to have to go into the stubbies, uh, the office and that and stubby and that, and you're saying, uh, dig money stubby. And he'd say, half or full. And you're like, fuck's sake. <laughs> Didn't he tell me that when I signed, you know? I thought I was on 35 quid a week. <laughs> so, so we'd have these games on a Monday night, and I think I think a lot of the time they were see a Monday night because they'd, they'd notice if you'd been out that weekend, you know? Yeah. Um, and we Jim was there all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he, he wouldn't miss one of them. And you could hear him bawling for the stands at Forfar and shit like that, you know? <laughs> you, you you mentioned that you made your debut um, at Tynecastle against Hearts Scott Thompson also played Harry Curran Joe McLeod uh, and then a year later you made your second appearance there's a year between them you can tell us about that year but this time against Falkirk and you scored on the end of a Alan Preston Cross who was making his uh, debut that day I remember that I think Big Marsh was in goals for Falkirk I think they went down I think that might have relegated them um, that game but the thing about um, like my start at Paradise and I think we Jim had a habit of this uh, like there was a lot of players got their chance like forwards forwards would get in the team before a defender and then full backs would get in before a centre back like I, you obviously had Heggie in there I was a centre back but he, he had a tendency to throw in and I think this is in the game in general, if you're going to throw in a youngster, it's usually a forward, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, like, it's totally different. You need experience to play at centre-back. You need, you know, you need the, the old heat in there a bit. And it was always defenders found it harder to, to kind of break through as youngsters. Oh, and even if, if in the full-back position, you know, you're going forward for full-back and stuff like that. And, Attacking, I remember Alec Cleland going in at an, an early age, um, and again, I think the fullback position was a lot um, easier than mm-hmm. the centre back position as a, as a youngster. I think we Jim just wanted that like solid at the back and experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Plus, that. you were trying to, you were trying again to the team that Davy Neri that was he was oh, in the team at that point was you know the greatest United player ever probably. Ah, easily. It wasn't you know, an easy task for you. 
no, no chance. The big sash was right-footed and wanted to play left centre-back, you know, so that killed me, you know, um, because I was left-footed and could only play left centre-back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was trying to, before you'd really broke into the first team as well, you were quite involved with Scotland as well at under-19 level, weren't you? And they were quite successful. Aye, we, we had... Um, we had good youth teams. We used to make European championships. I remember going to Chile and, and playing the World Youth Cup, getting to the, um, I think, the quarterfinals. We got beat off West Germany on, on, on penalties, you know. Um, but again, that's, that's all good, like good experience. And, and obviously, the, I think we Jim had his, had his spies there because everything that ever happened in the, the like, Youth games or whatever, like one would get back, and, and that was it, you know. <laughs> you uh, they hide in place. you finally start to to break in. Nineteen ninety one season, you got more appearances for the first team. Just looking, I was looking back at that season. So you made twenty six appearances, but you only featured a handful of times after November. What happened? I was probably injured. I I, I had problems um, with my knee. I remember. Um, coming back for Chile, I, I got injured in Chile, and, and I had to have my my cartilage out the old style. I, I went to a guy at Bridge, I think it was Bridge, a boy called Jimmy Ennis. He used to call him Killer Ennis. You know, he was a surgeon, and <laughs> so I went there, and, and, and um, I got I got surgery. I got my my cartilage removed. It was the lateral cartilage, the outside cartilage which is a little bit more complicated. And they took it out old style. So basically you're in the hospital for four days. You know, it, it wasn't like um, the going now through a telescope and stuff like that. Yeah. So so I, I had I had problems on and off, um, like coming back coming back for, for that injury. And sometimes it would it would flare up a wee bit, mm. you know. But it tended, as my career went on, it got a lot better. I knew how to manage it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't train on Cussie or anything like that. I wouldn't train. The, I think that was AstroTurf at the time. It'd be mm-hmm. AstroTurf. I wouldn't train on that, you know. Yeah. So I just, I just learned to manage it a lot better. And by the, you know, it was fine. Yeah, I mean that season. Obviously, you would have missed the cup final, the four three. Alan Main was definitely fouled. We're aware of that. I remember. Um, I remember. But just looking at some of the names in competition that you would have had, you know, from that year going on, you know, Gary Boland's there, John Clark, Alec Cleland, Freddie Van der Hoorn, uh Mo Malpass. We've not even mentioned him yet. Dave Neri, uh, Kravokapic, Mark Perry, and that started to come through. So, like you're saying, you were you were up against it to start with. I and I, I remember that cup final because mm. they used to take the youth team to Holland. Now I I can't even mind if I got called back or I never went. Like I think I they thought I was going to play in that that four three game, you know. And um, I should have played. I don't know if, why we Jim didn't play me, but at the time I, I, I think if you look at the game. I think we, we couldn't defend the ball into the box, you know. And I remember I remember Morris coming. I remember that night after that cup final. Um, and it was a shit night, you know. They'd already arranged the thing. It was in, um, it was in the old course. And I think Morris came to me and says, he was going to play a big man. He should have fucking played you. Um, mm-hmm. And, 
You know, I, I had my obviously got my weaknesses, but I had my strength. I could hit the ball out of the box, you know. And I think, I think um, we really struggled that day um, in that cup final. You know? No, it was a crazy game. I mean, we've mentioned it loads of times, but you know, from the way the goals work to the four sendings off at full time and everything, it was just a crazy, crazy uh, uh, match for it. Also, just want to touch some of the young players that were starting to come through as well. Uh, you've mentioned Billy McKinley, uh, Big Dunk, Andy McLaren, Ray McKinnon, Christian Daly, Paddy Conley. What was that like for you with the, those other young players coming through? Oh, we used to play in the reserves. I mean, the, the reserve team was unbelievable. You know, you look at how how these players went on and had careers at United and at different places. Um, no, top, top quality players. And at the time, United were attracting new players. And, the, you know, you had the Glasgow satellite, you had the Edinburgh satellite, and we had good scouts. I think Graham Livingston done the Glasgow one. But was it was it when we attracted was United attracting the players because of the interest that we jump showed? Mm. You know? Mm. Mm. How were we, how was United attracting these players, you know? And was it because he was so on top of that, you know? Which I think that's something that's rare in the gate in the game just now. Mm. Were you on ever on the end of a Jim McLean run or oh. <laughs> Okay. Half time, full time, every, every whatever. <laughs> he, used to, he used to go around uh, the change. We, we Jim had a gift. He, he, he wouldn't miss a thing, you know. It was a gift of going around a changing room and saying, You done that, you done that right, you done that wrong, you done that. Every player, you know. So if you made a mistake, you were just fucking waiting for him getting to you, you know. And it might have just been the smallest mistake. But he, he knew it, you know? And it was this memory that just fucking... And he would rattle everything off in every player. And then he'd get to a certain individual, whether it was me, and it'd be a new year bastard, you know? <laughs> so that was it. You were, you were waiting for it. If you, ever had a, if you ever had a mistake or a bad game or whatever, you knew it, you knew it was coming, you know? It wasn't a surprise when he told you, you know? Did it and play it was on your mind? Did it, it was play on your mind during the game? What's that? Did it play on your mind during a game? Like if you're you were scared to make a mistake because you can't you were going to get best barrels in the changing room, or did you just get on with your job? And if you, you did, just, then I make mean, it, football's it, like I, I think you just get on with it. It's the same when you've got crowds at games and that you just get on with it. It becomes like just background noise, you know. You're concentrating yeah. on the game and stuff like that. So. You just you just got on it, but I suppose when you were walking off in this changing room, you you kind of thought, oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, after that, sort of, like, see, you should have probably played in the game or whatever. The disappointment, which as United fans we were used to for a while. Uh, a couple of years past, I think it's more injury problems, but the big season for you, uh, 93-94, part first choice in the United defence. We'll get to the goals, everything like that. But Jim McLean steps down, goes up the stair as such. Ivan Golik comes in. What's your memory of that and meeting Ivan Golik for the first time and what have you? Uh, well, it was one kind of extreme to that, you know, and, and I, I, I loved Ivan. I loved him. He, he, he gave me, like, some players need a pat in the back, some need a kick up the arse, you know, and we Jim would pat you on the back occasionally. Um, but... 
I, I, I love diving. And don't get me wrong, Ivan was fucking tough, you know. He, he, he was no wally. He was a tough guy, you know. Um, you wouldn't mess him about. Um, but he just had this knack of making you think you were fucking brilliant, you know. And there was never, once we get to that cup run, it was never in doubt, you know. I, re- I remember going to Ibrox earlier that season. I think we won 3-0, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And and that was a Rangers team full of quality. England internationals, fucking um, going for back-to-back trebles. And we tore them apart in 20 minutes at Ibrox. And I, I think they made a sub. I think they took Goffey off or something. I, I yeah, can't remember what happened in that game. Stormed um, up the tunnel in the half. Aye, and, and Ivan, Ivan just had this, this knack of making you feel brilliant, you know? Mm. And, you know, the big games and that, he loved the big games. and You know, maybe we didn't perform as well in the, in the lesser games, you know? And, and maybe the, the same kind of motivation wasn't there, you know? But the cup, the cup, for, the cup run for me is, like, so much of the game's played in your head. Uh, and... I just knew we were going to win the cup, you know, and and even when when we go in these games and and we go to Motherwell and I end up scoring at Motherwell or scoring at Aberdeen, there was not there was never any thought in my mind that we were going to get beat. So is that why I stepped up in the last minute? Or Who knows, mm. you know? It's it's just like it's not happening, you know. This is this is the year and. And I think once we get to the final, I think um, Morris had been through so much and, and Jimmy Mack and, and Bo and stuff like that, you know. And, and But we had so many players that hadn't, hadn't been there and had the disappointment. And, you know, everyone just just believed it was it was going to happen. You know? Yeah. And I think- what, was a, what was an Ivan Golak pre-season like compared to Jim McLean? Oh, brilliant. No, it's still be tough. I mean, like it wasn't a holiday camp, you know. I I think some people think it was like it was a holiday camp and stuff like that. Wasn't it? It it wasn't like that, you know. Um, I mean, pre-season at United was always tough. You know, we we had um, like we gym was miles in front of the times. We had we had dietitians, we had sports scientists, we had. Although it was just called a spring coach then, and then we had um, psychologists. I remember going through to Glasgow and psychologists. Then we had a guy come in the train, the have have you on a Friday, fucking telling you enter some kind of bell jar or something in your head. I don't know what he was talking about, but <laughs> you know, we had we had all these all these kind of things. We gentlemen was miles. In front, yeah, you know? Andy McLaren tells a great story that. When it must have been when the uh, psychologist and that come in, so everyone went in and he went to get his wages and there was 30 quid off it for the psychologist. <laughs> uh, that would be surprised me. <laughs> a, a couple of players we need to mention that come in that season. Uh, we had Craig Brewster on and uh, he was saying he come in, had a nightmare in his first game, he was then bombed for 12 games, but went on to score 20 goals that season, including the goal that obviously uh, clinched it as well. Um, but he seemed to change the dynamic we were playing once he got back in the team. Do you remember when he come in and then went out the side for the 12 games? Because he said he couldn't have got a look uh, in. He was playing reserve uh, football and everything. Aye, aye. Big Brewster, top man. Love him. 
Yeah. Um, and and you know, to be fair to Craig, um, Craig was massive for United. Um, once he got back in the team, he, he was great at holding the ball up and stuff like that. And he scored wonder goals, you know. Um, but, but the big man went away to, I remember um, the season, I think, me and him were kind of, might, he was moving on, he'd been away to Greece and stuff like that. Um, and he he came back through Greece a better player, you know, and, and just his link-up play and stuff like that, you know, and, and what he learned in Greece, he, he, he became a, a and, you know, he went on strength to strength, played at a fair age. I remember bringing him, um, bringing him down one day to play with my my living youngsters. You know, playing a game, and he was playing next to a couple of young boys, and they were loving it, man. You know, his enthusiasm, stuff like that, his knowledge, and he's talking to kids through the game, and that was that was me doing trying to replicate what what I had had. You know, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, I don't remember I'm going at the team I, um, for twelve games, or if I do, it wasn't for twelve games. That seems a long time. Uh, but, uh, and he, um, he said he was very open and honest about it. Obviously, it turned into a fairy tale uh, kind of ending. Uh, a couple of players we need to make before we get into the midst of the cup run. That what about the twenty million man, Jerry Nixon? Uh, hey, Jeremy, what a boy. Do you know, I, I, I ran into Jim. He lives in, he lives in America. Um, I think his kid's a good player. Um, he's in some kind of academy or whatever. But I was at fucking, we went to Disney. We play in a Disney tournament round about Christmas. And here's fucking Jeremy. <laughs> It's not the same Jaren that we left behind, like a wee bit, like doing a wee bit weight, obviously. There's there was Jaren. nothing on. <laughs> What's that? There was nothing on when he joined. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, some boy, Jaren, uh, 20, 20 million. Uh, it's un- unreal. And you know what? He, he made his, you know, he, he picked up, you know, when Brewster went at the team and he got mind suspended, he got sent off against Airdrie, he come and linked up well with kind of McLaren in some games but hey he, he was what he was but one man we need to mention your partner in defence for the majority of that season Gordon Petrich strolled up Big, big Gogsy um, Big Gogsy came and he, he couldn't speak any English you know and and I made a I made a point uh, like try to help Gogsy we became close early on um, I remember sitting for fucking hours one night in the Ballinards like try to speak to him in pigeon English and showing him pictures and moving my fucking hands and stuff like <laughs> that. Um, and then Big Gogsy became my next door neighbour. You know, he moved in next door to me. Um, great guy, Big Gogsy. He, he he was he was a strong boy. He used to fucking grab you here. Like he got right Welsh, you know, once he could speak English. He used to fucking grab you here and squeeze you and all that. I was in agony. That's how um, you've got a frozen shoulder. Aye, aye, it's his <laughs> It's for him. Aye, it's his Aye, big, big Gogsy, aye. What a, what a player, very relaxed. Um, was good in the air. Um, he, used to, he used to say, easy, Welsh, you know, easy. You know, if you, <laughs> if you were losing the heat at some day, are you easy, you know? He just um, seemed that way, so sort of relaxed as well, because you're maybe a bit more of the no-nonsense Defender, where he's yeah. just strolling out of defence with it, 
nothing's no 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 bother left right whatever um yeah. just a, a class act uh we've touched on the the motherwell game the re- mm-hmm. it goes to the the first game after i just need to mention i mentioned it when he was on as well brewster's two goals that day were phenomenal but what happened in the last minute what's your memories I'm not sure what Guido what, was up what was to. The last, what was the last minute again? You'll need to mind me. Uh, the ball come in and Guido went up. It was a bit of a stromash and it seemed to fall to Steve Kirk's oh, foot and poked yeah. in. Big disappointment. Big disappointment after they uh, Brewster scoring their goals and then having to go for that um, replay. And that, that's not an easy place to go. I remember um, Big Sash played in the middle of the park. Strolled that's it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, Okay, and Crabbo, um, Crabbo got his, his bad injury, I think, that night. Um, aye, that, that was a tough place to go. And, and aye, you remember it because it was a game that you, I remember that black and white jersey we, we, we used to have, you know. It's um, a beautiful strip. What did you think of that strip, Brian? Because that one's very divisive amongst United fans. Brewster it was, it, was a, it was a bit horrendous, but it was different. Eh? <laughs> it was different, ah. Fans, different. fans quite like it, but ah, the players that wore it didn't speak very highly of it at all. Mm. Nah, nah. Uh, talk us through the goal that night. What were you doing that far up? What happened? <clears throat> well, I used, to, I used to take little breaks off the ball. Like, I wouldn't carry the ball at the back, like, like going amazing. Or I never had it in my fucking locker, you know? <laughs> I had a tendency to once or twice a game, I'd make a little break, and I seen someone kind of develop a bit, and I thought, ah, let's let's go for this. And and the thing about the the finish, I mean, it's it's on my right foot, obviously, but Ivan used to love shooting, right? So he fucking loved it. So at the end of training, you'd be doing right foot benders, slows, left foot benders. He, he hardly smashed it. He was he was slowing everything, bending everything, you know. So we used to join in live and at the end. So I've probably hit about fucking 300 of them in the last week. So <laughs> Any of them hit the target? Aye, when it falls on my right foot. I'm not doing, I'm not smashing it. I'm doing what I did, what I've watched. I've been fucking slewing everything. I'm going to slew that <laughs> one, you know? And sure enough, it goes in. That's screamer. And then uh, into the uh, the semi final. Obviously, Guido has his moment. Uh, Dave Besson up the other end is having, oh, John Burridge, sorry, Dave Besson. John Burridge having the game of his life as a 85 <laughs> year old man. And then it takes for you to appear in the last minute and. There was no danger yeah. you weren't getting on the end of that the way you yeah. attacked it. That, that's the best goal I ever scored. That's the best goal I ever scored. I mean, I think there's a picture. I'm not even in the picture. I've came through, I've came through fucking nowhere. And <laughs> basically, it's determination. It's that, it's that thing again. This, it's, it's not fucking happening, you know? Yeah. This is our year, you know? And, and you know, if you, if you take it forward, I think... I played in a game against Partick Thistle the year we got relegated. And I remember um, I scored two goals. I played as, a, played as a striker. And it was the last game I played because we were suspended. I was suspended, so I was going to miss the last two or three games of the season. And at the time, I'm pretty sure we'd, we'd been struggling to score goals. And I said to Kirky, I was playing as a striker and training and... Um, I remember saying, Kirky, play me up front. I'll fucking score, you know? 
And it was that same thing again. It was a, it was a kind of determination, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not happening. And then the worst thing for me, I had to sit in the stand and watch us get fucking relegated. Aye, listen, well, and it was torture. It will, you know, definitely get and to I'm that. So, I'm not so sure we had enough players with that mentality at that time to say mm-hmm. that's not fucking happening. Aye, <laughs> you know. Um, we, we, we've asked we, we asked Andy McLaren we've asked Craig Brewster this as well take us to your what you remember of the week leading up to the cup final of smelling flowers and being relaxed and the night before just getting told do what you want to, to be told what? just do what you want just Ivan was like ah, ah crack on ah different class <laughs> different class uh, I remember doing a light session on a Friday in some field I think it was a Friday or a Thursday and then I think some players went away to the races and then some just relaxed. I used to sleep the, the Friday afternoons. Um, you get up Saturday morning and you're a wee bit like nervous and stuff like that and then you get on the bus and or, or you have your pre-match meal and I think all the families in that were round about for the pre-match meal because they sat separate Um and I think they were more nervous in the players. <laughs> was that, was <laughs> you know? that just something that Ivan had instilled? Because obviously, like we've touched on, he was so confident. Like, he was so confident. Yeah. You've said it as well, you weren't letting it slip away from you either. Was that a whole, as a squad, everyone was in the same mindset? Bearing in mind, Billy McKinley wasn't going to be in playing who'd been a big player that season. I think it was. And I think the 3-0 three, three game at Ibrox, like... You just, you just knew you could do it, you know? Yeah. And what was it like walking out on a Hamden for the, you remember, was it nerves, was it excitement, seeing all the, the yeah. fans? And obviously we are there for what, some some people are there for like the seventh time. It was my second cup final at the time and I'd been at 91, but I was just a young lad, but thinking, this is it. But again, you were playing Rangers that were going for a double treble and uh, just as soon as full, the, the whistle to start the game, were you game mode activated? Oh, aye. I, I mean, never, never kind of nervous when you kind of enter the pitch. I mean, if you've if you've got a if you've got a little bit of nervousness before in the lead up, it kind of disappears when you're when you're walking out and things like that. Another thing is, like everybody knew your knew your job, you know. And when we played Rangers, I, I knew that I had to take care of Hitler, you know. And I was kind of fortunate. I mean, Mark Haitley was a fucking great player, you know, but I, I could handle him in there, you know, if I was on my if I was on my game. And I, I just knew that I had to, that was my job. I knew I could do it and, and just go out and do it, you know. Um, but that game, that game just flew by. And, and these games when you're in the zone and you're concentrating, they're like that, you know, they just they just fly by. I mean, there's some games I've played it's like you're playing for fucking three weeks, you know? <laughs> but but the big games and, and I kind of I, I tended to do better in the big games, you know. It was mm. uh, it was some of the lesser games I was just pure shite, you know. <laughs> well that touching on that second half at Hamden that day, that from a fan's point of view, that lasted about three weeks, I could assure you, Brian. Aye. That game didn't fly by at all, waiting on that final whistle sounding. Jesus nah. Christ, it took a while to happen. Uh, what was your I mean, view was, Brewster's goal? Um, Slow motion? I remember it happening and thinking to myself, this a wee bit early. 
you know? <laughs> like, could, could that not happen with fucking 10 minutes to go or five minutes to go or whatever? Um, there was a spell in the game. They were they were thrown. Guido had a couple of great saves. Um, I remember them playing a ball in the box, like playing a few balls in the box because they brought big Fergie on. And, and do you know, Fergie, Fergie on his days was impossible to play against. You know, I never found um, Haley, however good he was, impossible to beat in the air. Big Fergie could, um, he was six foot four and he could hang, you know, he could hang in the fucking air, you know. But I think there was some boss that came in the ball. I, I big Gogsy, big Gogsy, big strong guy, he would kind of get up against Fergie and, and stuff like that, you know. So, um, aye, there was a lot of boss. Um, came in the box. I remember one, probably about two minutes to go, and I just launched my fucking self out. It, it was just like, it's not happening. You're not scoring, you know? Uh, on, on, I mean, t- to a man, it was incredible to kind of watch for that. And I think as United fans, again, when Ferguson come on, most fans went, oh, no. You know, because United uh, fans had, <laughs> had been there before. The full-time whistle goes, what is it like getting up the steps and getting your hands on that trophy? Uh, it, was, it was brilliant, you know. It, it's... Um, I think a, a, a few of the boys stayed out there longer and kind of soaked it up. They've probably got better family than me. I wished I'd stayed out longer. <laughs> um, but um, no, it was uh, it was great. And, you know, as, as years go on, you, you realise more what you achieved, you know. Yeah. And it's the same if we go to the party Thistle thing, the thing where I scored. You never realise that the team, what you've actually at the time, what you've actually achieved or what you've actually done, and how it becomes a history of the of the club and stuff like that, you know. And the years after it, how we kind of get out of that division, so then it becomes even fucking bigger, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking of uh, memories as well, you know, you lifting the cups obviously huge on the for the match itself. But do you remember much of the next day? Give hangovers given what they were on the oh. Saturday night, but the sea of people in the city square that day was incredible. Aye, the, the, like the, what happened, like the celebrations in that after the cup were, were brilliant. I mean, we, we had that day after, well, we obviously had the night in there, okay, we had the day after, and then we had another day after that, and another day after that. I think, I, think, um, I had a barbecue at my house, and there was punters there, and other players were there and fucking me, Joe McLeod had knock off fucking steaks and like <laughs> he was working for he was working for Campbell's meat or something at the time you know? <laughs> I could have paid, paid a fiver for as much as I could carry or something you know <laughs> and it was great and then I think we went to Trinidad Trinidad yeah Trinidad so it wasn't a bad place to, to go after all the yeah. celebrations. Uh, one thing I want to mention, just looking at some of the games you'd obviously played in, you look at other players you played with, but from 91 to 94, there seemed to be a right battle for the man that played behind you with Alan Main and, and Guido van der Kamp. So what were, what were they like to play Well, in front of more than anything? Because Alan had a really bad back injury the season of the cup final, I think yeah. it was. Uh, Alan could pull off fucking great saves, you know, and and he was very he was very good he was a very good kicker of the ball, you know. Um, it's the same like goalkeepers, all goalkeepers are, are prone to the odd the odd error. Um, nobody's nobody's any 
any different, you know, that's that's the position, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard job being a goalkeeper, you know, and, and it's the same, it's a, I always say, like, defenders, you can be fucking brilliant for 89 minutes, make an ass of something, and, and you're the scapegoat, you pick up the paper and you're getting a fucking two, you know, whereas a striker, a striker can just go out and score a goal, you know, so defender. Defenders and, and goalkeepers, goalkeepers always get a bit of sympathy for me as a coach, you know, because I know how, how difficult it is. They can be brilliant and they can make an error, but Guido and um, Alan were two, two very, very good goalkeepers. Yeah, and uh, obviously being United, nothing's easy, so let's start the next season getting pumped away to Hibs 5-0 on the opening day of uh, the season. One they prepared, one they prepared. I remember it... Um, Fucking had a bit of maybe overconfidence. Um, I don't think pre-season had been that great. I think we were in Malaysia and um, playing in Kuala Lumpur, some tournament with Leeds United and Bayern Munich, and, and you know, I remember that 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 Kuala Lumpur because we we played when we got there. We played a Malaysian select game, and it was opening at the stadium. That was a pre that pre-season. And um, it was at 11 o'clock at night or something. There was 120,000 at the game, you know? Now, if you're going to play your first game of the season and you're no fucking prepared, you want to play in front of nobody, you know? No, <laughs> um, So I remember that. I remember that game. It was because, basically, it was because the king was there. They weren't coming to see us, you know? Um, the king was there. They were opening the stadium. Um I think we played another game against Bayern Munich and I think there was about fucking three or four thousand there, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't think that season, I think we had a bit of, a bit of jolly. I, I don't think we prepared properly. Mm. Uh, also played in the Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, Tartan Preshoff we, we played. Uh, do you remember going to Slovakia? I remember that <laughs> fucking shit show. I remember that. Uh, yeah. Yep, I, I remember, remember that. Um, Played shite. Um, the team and, and Ivan, I, the European competition was so important to, to Ivan. He used to say, life out Europe's nothing, you know, like fucking life out Europe, you know. Um, so his goal was to get into these these competitions, you know. And we went to Tatar and Pressov, never performed. I mean, here's the thing when you go to these like kind of Balkan nations. Where's, where's Tatar and Pressov against? That's Slovakia. Slovakia, yeah. yeah. So that, right. all these players can play, you know, <laughs> they're fucking good players. I always say that about the old Yugoslavia, which is now Serbia, fucking top draw players, you know. Mm. Um, so there was, there was no Muppets. Mm. Um, so, but that was a disappointment. I think we had a chance. Did I know, did I score in the, uh, Jer Nixon scored over there, and uh, he, uh, Davey Hanna, Jer Nixon, and Petrich scored at home at Tannadice that day. Right, right. Fucking memory, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a, we had a chance to, to take care of them, but we never... And, no, the European games were great. I remember we used to we used to play friendlies. Like, obviously, we, we went and we played... Um, Oh, God, Partizan by Belgrade. We were the first team to go back after the sanctions against Yugoslavia. Um, I was looking at an old programme that day as well. We played Bromby. Um, and fucking Schmeichel was in goals. I never even realised that. 
and and Brian Lowdrop played as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of had a lot of young boys out, you know. Mm-hmm. So. That's no. that season as well. I I I think I think one of the big errors was the goalkeeping position because obviously Alan Main left, Guido left, uh, Henrik Jorgensen come in, played the first game, or kind of that went. But there was a lot, and then I think Boland and Cleland both left that season as well. So it was, and there wasn't much coming the other way, if you know what I mean. There was obviously a, a, the change happened. Billy Kirkwood coming as as the manager. Did it happen too late for for you? It didn't happen to March that season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I remember Kirky came in, and um, I think Kirky made it up in his mind that he was going to play. Play. Did Did he bring in Elvis? Is that when he brought in Elvis? Uh, we got in the, the, summer, the summer. He come in in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Aye, aye. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure if it happened too late. I mean. It, when a team's struggling a bit, then it's you know it's hard to pick it up, even being a, a new manager. And I, I I just think at the time I don't think we um, we had enough players that realised what it, what it meant. Mm. And like you you mentioned, the you scored the two goals against Partick, and then you missed the last three. Do you remember what it felt like though when like the full time whistle went against Celtic and we were relegated? Fucking awful, awful. Um, the one thing about like United, and I always remember like Big Brewster, the year that we won the cup. Big, Big Brewster was friendly because he's from Dundee. Knew a lot of the punters and stuff like that, and, and we kind of got to know the punters. And then you start to realise what like it means to people, you know. And you're not fucking letting them down, you know. You're trying not to let these guys down. Well, sometimes you're a wee bit sheltered for that. You know, so I think when Brewster came and he, 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 he knew all the smuggler squad and stuff like that, you know, and you become a little bit closer and you can feel you feel their disappointments and, and their pain. You see their ecstasy when you do something like the cup, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, obviously the next season, well, I think there was there was a chance you could have left. In the summer, to Barnsley or somebody coming for you, something like that. Aye, it's a fucking story here. I went to Barnsley. Um, at the time, I was on shite money at United because I was still on that fucking eleven-year contract. I, I, used, I don't know what the basic wage, but the way it was set up was mass good bonuses. We used to get good bonuses if we won, but if you're not playing the team, you're fucked, you know. Um, which is which isn't a bad thing, you know. <laughs> so. Um, I went down to Barnsley. I remember um, going for my medical, um, and it, like it came back. It's something that showed up on my knee or whatever. Um, so I kind of came back. The deal never went through. And at the time, I knew I wasn't going to stay at start that season because you had Elvis and you had Christian playing centre back. Um, so I'd failed the medical, and then I found out. Um, I think my agent had told me that, that Barnsley had came back in with the same money, but they wanted to pay an instalment, and and we just said no. And I'm like fucking destroyed because I didn't see myself playing. Um, I had a chance to move for better money. Um, I remember them giving me a fucking Audi and stuff like that, and I'm thinking club car, decent money, 
Um, and then that wee bastard's fucking turned down just because he wanted to pay it up in installments. Yeah. You know? And I remember I'm going and playing in a reserve game. I think it was at Montrose. And um, this is all in my mind. And we jumps up the fucking stairs, sitting in the stand. And uh, I got taken off in the reserve game. And I remember trying to fucking run up the stairs there. Eh? And Heggy and fucking people like that are saying, well, if you calm down, calm down. And I'm like, that wee bastard fucking, you know what? And, you know, that that was it. So that, that was a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once it, once things had settled down and stuff like that, I just, you know, I just kept cracking away. I knew that um, Christian and Elvis, two fantastic players, you know, and... and but I knew I could offer something to the team, and it, it was the same again, you know, like being more a, a penalty box defender, you know, being able to, you go into the first division, there's a lot of balls coming in the box, like things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I know, Paul, Paul I'll bring up Elvis in a sec, just one of the big things that summer as well is Gordon Petrick's left, you know what I mean, we've got yeah. big, big money for him. For you, he was obviously the player you played next to a hell of a lot, did you know how big a miss that was going to be? Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, when when Patrick when Patrick arrived, that's when I started playing my best football. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't a you know it wasn't a coincidence, you know. And so we were going to. I, I, I'm obviously going to miss miss playing with him and, and stuff like that, you know. Elvis, uh, I'm no doubting he's a good player. What what is the guy like, uh, like off the park? Because his public persona these days in Scotland, he comes across as a, a strange fan. Aye, good, he good really guy. Does. Aye, always dead serious. Um, good always guy. Always dead serious. Aye, good relationship. You get a good good night out and have a good laugh with him and stuff like that. You know. Um, once once we get into the the management and the coach game, then obviously fucking it's totally different for the Elvis the player, you know. Mm, um, yeah. I'm I'm in America now, so I'm shielded for all that shit, you know. So, <laughs> Lucky you. Tell <laughs> uh, one boy that also left. Badger left, but not before the ultimate send off. A hat trick against Dundee. He wasn't a bad uh, player, was he? Oh, brilliant, Badger quality. Absolute quality and and fucking confident, conf, confident um, player. Um, no, excellent. And Badger, it was me and Badger. That was uh, you had when we went as S forms that year. You had Badger for the West Coast, and I was the East Coast. And you know that was that was my you know kind of that was our era. That was the two players for that year. You know, mm. and obviously playoffs. Talk to us about it. <laughs> uh, I remember the first game um, we should have scored four or five if I can remember right I think Christian should have finished a few um, could have made it easier for herself that the the night at Tardise, Um again it was that's probably the most nervy game that, that I've played in Um you could you could sense it round about you. It was never there in the cup final, the cup run. But you could sense it. You could you just need to look at the people's faces as you walk in, the staff, you know, 
Like you could you could tell what it, what it meant to people. You know, you can tell on the faces when I end up scoring. You know what it meant to people. But that was that was a nervy occasion, and I remember I remember that when when I scored, um, and then we went in for Kirky. I think you're on the on the pitch, so you, the game's finished. You're going into extra time. He tells you, it's like, have a seat. Like, I'm no fucking sitting down, you know. I was pumped up, you know. It's, and uh, But once that, once that goal went in, extra time was never a doubt, you know. There was only got to be one winner. You could tell it on their faces, you know. Mm. I remember when I scored, um, and the ball, like, it wasn't an easy heater. There was no pace on the ball. I think I nearly broke my fucking neck trying yeah. try to heat it. <laughs> yeah. and, because it the ball was kind of... in the air. Yeah. I, it was static and I had to really fucking... And then I started running and I was going to have my best celebration I've no. ever had. No, <laughs> fucking goalie tripped me up. <laughs> Nicky Walker. Aye, big Nicky tripped me up. Bastard. his mullet. <laughs> I just remember Andy McLaren's cross because... Yeah, he's back to goal. It was, was out of nothing. Oh, and then Owen Coyle knocks it back to you. Uh, but you p- picking up there, you go in extra time. Uh, it goes on and goes on and goes on. Five minutes for the end. Owen Coyle scores the goal. Celebrations for the fans. It was like a cup final. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was um, a relief, you know. It was a relief. And then Abdi's on the pitch. <laughs> aye, aye, that was good. That, that was my last ever game game for United, you know, and, and to, um, I didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, getting offered a contract and I was kind of due a testimonial and I wanted it in my first year. We Jim wanted to give me it in my second year. We ended up fighting over five grand, and I just got to the stage. Look, uh, I've kind of been dictated to for fucking the last eleven years, and, and yeah. I, it's not happening, you know. So mm. I, I moved on, you know. And uh, you do move on. We'll do, touch on that. You obviously went to Hibs and then uh, moved around to to other clubs, and that obviously you mentioned injuries and stuff. At what point did you then think about the coaching side of things? My dad. <laughs> I when I was at um, like I was at I was at Cowdenbeath and, and my father-in-law had asked me if, if I wanted to help um, like take the kids and stuff like that. And by that time, my oldest he was he was kind of getting to around about I think maybe thirteen or whatever. Um, I never seen as a as a player. I never seen myself as getting into the coaching or whatever. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I realised that I, I, uh, I'd learned so much as a player, um, not just not just for the tactical side, but going through the the, the wee gym and then Ivan, the two contrasted styles and personalities um, that I had that I had a lot to offer, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did the move come about for you actually heading to where you are now, heading stateside? Um, I'd kind of, like, I, I was at Levy and I, I used to get pissed off, you know. I I, I really enjoyed Levy, a, a great club, and, and really enjoyed it. It's, it's, um, but I used to, 
it used to frustrate me um, that like kids weren't getting as many chances as as what like, like the game in Scotland in general. And I always take it back and and look at. Like there's there's been a lot of foreign players came. I think it was the eighties. You've got like um, Hill House and um, like Freddie, and but for every good player that came, there was two, two or three bad ones. You know, and I always thought they were costing our youngsters the chance of getting thing way. And I, I think that's been a major part of the downfall of, of the national teams. You know, I mean even at United. We had, like, we had the real deal. You had some with the real deal, like Freddie, like the boy Victor Ferreira was the real deal. We'd just never seen the best of him. Big Gogsy. But then you had some fucking chances. And that was a a kind of, that was a problem. Um, And I always seen that as a, as a coach and whatever, I, I just, I looked a bit at the country and I'm going, is it enough Scottish people getting a chance? You know, is there enough Scottish youngsters? You know? Um, and it kind of frustrated me. And then you, you had um, my son, my oldest, he was, um, he'd moved to America on a scholarship. My middle boy, Mikey, he, um, he'd just taken to start a scholarship. Um, and I'd say to a guy that I know that, that, like, if anything comes up, any kind of jobs, give me a shout, you know. And it, it, through there, it just happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the current situation? What are you involved in? What are you doing? What's your interest at the moment uh, over there? I'm a boys' technical director for a, a youth club. Um, and I also have my own club, um, Northern Virginia United. You see here, you, it's a franchise model. So you know you can you're fucking basically buying a club and then do what you do what you can with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's no other massive history. You know, you see that in the MLS. It's just fucking franchises. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've got my own club, and we never managed to play this year because of this the COVID. Um, but I'm hoping to get back into that next year and start building it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so plenty, plenty to keep me busy, involved with with youth and, and you know it's um, it's always my my job. What I've seen in, in my career is and, and what I what I can give to these kids and a lot of, a lot of the kids that that I'm around about. We live in a very affluent area. Um, in Northern Virginia and, and there's a lot of money about here there's a lot of entitlement stuff like that you know uh, although that's the world in general now but around about here there's a lot of that so I kind of I've got it in the players that if you're going to get something you're going to work for it you know my, my players work for everything you know mm-hmm. um, so that kind of gives them a little bit of uh, working class mentality or something like that. So that, as well as all the tactical side, that's some things that, that I've kind of brought from my, my experiences as a player at Dundee United and stuff like that and, and giving it to the kids, you know. Mm. And we've had a good what, bit of success. What sort of level are they at then, Brian? Are they just as good as Scottish youngsters were back in the day or are they better, slightly worse? Um, the, the level, see, American players are very technical. 
they, they lose something once they get to um, probably 14 to 17, 18, you know. They, they, just, they, they just lose something then, you know. The game here, I mean, it's like it's – People tend to complicate the game, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're not fucking sounding like a genius, you know, you're going to get sussed out or, or something, you know. Yeah, I listen to some of these, um, some coaches, and and um, like you listen for 10 minutes and you're like, oh, yeah. And then, and then eventually you go, what the fuck is he talking about? You know? <laughs> It's like a lot of people talk a good, talk it. Some people talk a good game, you know. Very educated, college degrees, stuff like that, you know. Like very educated, you know. And and it's like the game's complicated. The game's not complicated, you know. Mm. Do you feel up against it over there, just with the other sports, like getting kids in and stuff like that? Because obviously you've got you know basketball, ice hockey, and American football, and everything uh, to contend with. Aye, football's um, like there is more competition. You can talk about all the best athletes got to play basketball and stuff like that. America's just no, it's just no got it right, you know. And and I don't know if you look at the MLS, the MLS haven't got any relegation. The MLS should be full of kids. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You want to make the game better in in America. I mean, it's not about bringing in your superstar now and trying to build up crowds and stuff like that. I mean, the league's built up that way. You know, we've we've been in that stage. We're still going through that stage that they bring in the big international and that. That league should be full of kids. And until it is, or until there's more kids, I'm not going to get anywhere as a national team or that, you know. Get them through the academies, get them playing in the MLS, and then ship them to Europe if you have to, you know. Yeah. And that that's the way forward, you know. We, they, I don't know what the... They talk about homegrown players and fucking drafts and stuff like that. I've seen something... Uh, uh, a draft for soccer and they were doing all these tests, a fucking speed test and a... Like all these kind of vertical jumps and stuff. I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Like, and and that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. That's a very American thing, though. They do that with the NBA. They do it with the NFL. It's like they have a standard <laughs> system for sports. That's and it. Then and, if, a, and they then a if you want to, if you want to run a, a, the best basketball program in Europe, copy the American model. Mm-hmm. If you want to run the best fucking football program, copy the fucking European model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't bring that draft and shit and homegrown and fucking player rights and bollocks bullshit. Like, get rid of that, you know? But then the game's run by, um, like, committees and fucking, you know what it's like when you start having blazers. Blazers just drive you fucking nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, certainly a, an interesting one, but it's it's good to hear sort of your take on it over there. Just a couple of things before we finish, Brian. Two thousand and twelve in the United Hall of Fame, you went in alongside uh, Shell Olufsen, Billy Thompson, Billy Kirkwood, and a couple of uh, well before our time, Jim Irvin and Arthur Milne. But a proud moment, I imagine. It was brilliant because that week I was leaving to go to America. Um, so it was brilliant and um, my youngest was there with me 
Um, he showed me a video. I didn't even know he taped it, not that long, but he taped, he taped up at it. And uh, that, that, that was really, that was, a, that was a great moment. I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and good company as well you, that you went in with. Um, yeah. To finish off, Brian, how do you sum up your your spell at United taking away the infamous 11-year contract that you had to sign? I, do you know, I, I, for the most part, I, I loved it. And I really liked Dundee. Dundee p- people are quality. Um, like, I'm from Edinburgh, and I know, like, sometimes Edinburgh people can, a wee, you, you get a group that are a wee bit stuck up and stuff like that. But Dundee people are, are, are quality. And I, I, I really enjoyed my time there. I learned so much. I had... I had my moments with Wee Jim. He was brilliant for me as a like to get into this this thing for for, for football, you know, mm-hmm. like, for like what he taught you in football. I even got into that thing for, for the motivation that, that what motivated me, you know. Um, so I, I really I really enjoyed my my time there. I wish. I wish things could have been different at the end, and and I could have worked something out. I'd probably ended up like a like a Mo and people like that. There are your career and stuff, but it wasn't to be. So, um, no, loved it. And when I go back, I've not been back often. Um, I think since I came here, I've been back twice. I've been to Tanadice. So I, I always get well looked after. Yeah. Uh, and it's good. It's good. You know, I took a bunch of kids who were in my academy and and they came the last time and I was on the pitch and they were on the pitch and stuff like that. So it was, it was good memories, good experience for them as well. You know? Do they appreciate what you've done in the game? Like, are they aware of it or are you just coach coach Brian to them? Uh, I think sometimes the... the they know, you know. It's amazing here how many pros you've got, but if you Google them, you can't fucking find them, you know. <laughs> the only knew like, where he so was because he was walking about somebody, with a Scottish Cup top on. Oh, somebody will show their resumes. I get the resumes for coaches all the time. Play professionally <laughs> for such and such, such and such. Like, fucking, you know, just making making up shit, you know. <laughs> it, means, it means they can go and do their one-to-ones and char- charge fucking double, you know. I don't know what they do. You mentioned, um, uh, you mentioned the Dundee people there, Brian. One thing we've got to mention, the unique atmosphere of a Dundee derby is, for us as fans, you're playing against your mates, you're playing against family. What was, what was it like for you? I loved them. Never lost them one. I can't mind losing one, playing them one. I think I'm, you need to check the stats. Could I maybe have played in about seven or something? Maybe not, but never lost a Dundee derby as a player. I'm just writing that. So you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Probably. uh, I I don't think you need to you need to check that because my fucking memory is not as good as what it used to be. But um, not kind of. I mean, done. Dan, Dan, my wife shouting I as you think you're telling it. It's amazing how good you, it's amazing how good you become when you fucking retire, eh? Brian, that's that's nice I watch different games than what you did. <laughs> Brian, listen, this has been it's been great to talk to you today. Thanks very much for uh taking us through your United career, the highs and the lows and whatever. It's been uh, a privilege and you know for me and Paul and certainly other fans, you know, nineteen ninety four will forever go down in, in history. It's certainly for us as one of our, if not the best, 
day as a as a fan. Yeah. No, it's been it's been great. Some good memories. Well, that was Brian Welsh, United Hall of Famer, still getting shouted at Faye's wife. Fantastic, and it was uh, the amount of swear words. Like if we had a had a swear jar and uh, put it towards Dode Fox Podcast Towers funds, we we would have been millionaires, I think, because the boy likes an f bomb. Mm. But it was great speaking to him. Great speaking to him. He got up at a silly time over there. He's in Virginia. I think it was probably about seven or eight in the morning. Uh, but he was great. He was great value. And I th- I'm pretty sure it was Grant Manzi that helped set us up with that one. So thank you very much to Grant as well. Yes. And uh, next week will be our kind of season preview show. Uh, we're going to look back on some of our favourite episodes from our first year. It's a wee bit different. Obviously, this would be the new season, but just because of all the shite that's been going on, we've put it back a little bit but next week should be our um, season preview looking forward to that I've been back through some of the older episodes just to get a flavour of what shit we have talked on a on a weekly basis uh, the guests that we've had this summer since it all went shit shaped has been unbelievable a lot of good fun episodes a lot of informative episodes some of the stories have, have been great as well and uh, it's been brilliant w- one thing as well that o- has always come up by the way is anytime you stick on a t-shirt or a jumper that's got a dude fox logo on it people ask us where can i buy one well we might have some information about that next week that's all I can say about that um your sister's been repping a hoodie which I've, which I've quite liked. Uh, I've currently got a mug in front of me that says, this isn't podcast pints. And it's got the Dode Fox logo on it. So more on all that to come next week. On this day, in association with Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006, today uh, we have got four games, three signings and two birthdays for you. Let's start with our games as always. So, uh, because it's still pre-season, uh, it always throws up some absolute crackers of games that you can speak about. Uh, this one, we begin in 1992 as another experimental side was fielded. We played, and given the weekend we've had, Paul, Cove Rangers. <laughs> and uh, we are a Uruguayan trialist. Gianni Michelini, who was on target in United's 3-0 win. Alan Preston also scored, as did Mark Perry. The man himself. Uh, in 2000, we headed to Station Park to face a 4-4 team that included ex-United players Stuart Garden and Davy Bowman. A goal in each half secured the win. Stephen McConnell ignited first. A trialist got the second. Uh, Alex Smithfield had a much stronger start in 11 in 2002 to the side that he'd put out against Brecon City in the midweek. Paul Gallagher returned in goal behind a defence that included McCunney, McGowan, Lachlan and Duff. Mark Wilson started the match alongside Miller, Easton and Vanitas. Tassos Vanitas. I need a run up for that. Uh, While Thompson and McIntyre posed the goal threat, Jamie McCunney headed into his own net after five minutes before a double from Turkey Touch himself, Stephen Thompson, and singles from Agent McIntyre, Stephen Carson, and Jim Lachlan. Uh, United's pre season tour of 2009 in Ireland kicked off with a draw against 
And I will take a small run up for this. Drogheda United. Okay. I'm not going to try and correct, correct you because I'm not sure. Good. Who play at United Park. Uh, the home side took the uh, lead early on through a penalty. They doubled their advantage early in the second half through substitute Ian Ryan from close range. But Craig Levine's side came back in the final quarter of the game. Danny Kadamartari scored his first for the club. Uh, Kovacevic scored the equaliser after Gary Kenneth had hit the bar and Kenneth was denied a winner by the post in the final few minutes. So a mixed bag on the old uh, friendlies there. Uh, let's look at signings. Let's have a bit of fun with these, Paul. Three signings to tell <laughs> you about. Let's see your thoughts. 2007 was signed Prince Bobin. A success. Definitely. Massive success. Definitely. 2015 was signed Darko Badul. The opposite of a massive success. Well, John Rankin said show pony, didn't he? He said that's, yes. he could do other tricks, but that was about it. And 2018... Paul Watson. An unsung hero. I would have to say that. Championship yeah. winner. Yeah, and I think uh, Don Feldman have got himself a pretty fine player for the championship. I would say certainly. so. Yeah. I would say so, yeah. And our two birthdays today. <laughs> I think it might be mixed reaction to, to these. Uh, happy 46th birthday to a man who played... Uh, 20 times for us under Alex Smith uh, it's Jamie Fullerton mm -hmm. yeah average well, that was really average I'm not sure how this will go uh, signed by Paul Sturrock only made 30 appearances over uh, two seasons played it right back 50 grand he cost us happy 50th birthday to John McQuillan stinking he, 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 he's no on my Top 50 list of favourite players to pull on the tangerine. He wouldn't have been in the top 50 right backs, then I think. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, that is it for another episode. Our thanks, of course, to uh, Brian Welsh. Our thanks, of course, to the man and uh, one of the pair of unsung heroes from the weekend, uh, Andy Crichton, for talking to us uh, today. Uh, you know, I have asked you, Paul, but has it really sunk in what you have achieved yet in terms of the money raised, the amount of miles you put in, the extra two because you're dafties, and just <laughs> kind yeah. of the feedback and the, the messages of support and stuff? I haven't been on social media uh, since Friday, so I've not really seen much, but my phone, uh, even just WhatsApp messages from people that I know, there's there's been a lot. Uh, has it sunk in? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't think there's anything to sink in. It was just a walk that we went on to raise some money. Some money's been raised and that's that's kind of the end of it for me. I don't I don't really think of it as anything other than that. It's a it's a good thing because as Andy touched on earlier, it's it's kind of got fans a sense of togetherness. And uh it's yeah, it's just it's all positive. Everything that's come out of it apart from the way I'm feeling right now is has uh, all been positive mm. and it was just a uh, just a pleasure to be a part of it yeah and Andy says he's obviously taking a couple of days rest I'm assuming you're forced into a couple of days a year are you are you in bits uh, yes I'm I'm not as bad as I was last night lying in bed shivering but uh, but I'm but I'm alright I was in poor poor shape last night but uh, no I'm okay just 
today. I'm just sore as you would be. Yeah, back, knee, feet. How are the blisters, by the Blisters both burst, but they're they're all right. They're they're no they're no they're not sore bizarrely. They were absolutely agony yesterday. They're not sore today. My back's not too bad. My knee and my feet are sore, and uh, my my legs are a bit sore as well. But that's what happens when you go walking in Fife on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, no, most people don't recommend it, but you raised a few quid doing it as well. Uh, yeah, you exactly. can keep donating as well. I think the page is going to stay open for a couple of days. Paul, is that the idea? Yeah, we'll probably close it down by the end of the week just so that the, the club can get the money ASAP. Mm-hmm. And if you want to donate, the links are in the bio on our social media. If you're on Paul's page, you can get the link in the, I think it's the very top of his, his pinned post. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a pinned tweet, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, the, the two of you, for being the humility you guys show for just going on a walk is unreal for the the amount of money you have you just have raised uh, I mentioned it when Andy was on you know I've known Andy through the group chats and, and whatever I've known you a, a lot better with doing this as well but uh, the two of you have, have achieved something absolutely incredible that'll kind of never be forgotten in the strange circumstances we are and you know there's you don't like being classed as heroes for what you have done but I think it's take a heroic effort for you to get through and especially for yourself you know Andy said you were hitting a wall you said you've hit a wall but you found the mental the physical strength to put I mean your feet are probably no thinking that I'm going to say but it's just you think I'm an arsehole (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's just been a it's been an incredible effort to watch the money Raise. I don't know if that put added pressure on the two of you or you felt the pressure yesterday with it. But, you know, but... I would say, if anything, it, it kept you going rather than uh, added pressure because it was something that we wanted to do. But when you... you there's going to come a time when you're when you're doing a distance like that where you think, nah, just we'll just call it a day here. But the fact that so many fellow fans had pledged and uh, given their hard earned, you can't be stopping. You've just got to, just got to go through it. It's as simple as that. 